Matthew chapter 24. We'll begin at verse 1. Matthew 24, 1, it says, As Yeshua left and was going out of the temple complex, His disciples came up and called His attention to the temple buildings. And then He replied to them, Don't you see all these things? I assure you not one stone will be left here on another that will not be thrown down. While He was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples approached Him privately and said, Tell us when will these things happen, and what is the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Then Yeshua replied to them, Watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Messiah, and they will deceive many. And you are going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, because these things must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places, and all these events are the beginning of birth pains. Then they will hand you over for persecution, and they will kill you. You will be hated by all nations because of my name. And then many will take offense, betray one another, and hate one another. Many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will multiply, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be delivered. This good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed in all the world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. So when you see the abomination that causes desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, let the reader understand, then those in Judea must flee to the mountains. A man on the housetop must not come down to get things out of his house. And a man in the field must not go back to get his clothes. Woe to pregnant women and nursing mothers in those days. Pray that your escape may not be in winter or on a Sabbath, for at that time there will be great tribulation, the kind that hasn't taken place from the beginning of the world until now and never will again. Unless those days were limited, no one would survive. But those days will be limited because of the elect. If anyone tells you then, look, here is the Messiah, or over here, do not believe it. False messiahs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. Take note, I have told you in advance. So if they tell you, look, he's in the wilderness, don't go out. Look, he's in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes as far as the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever the carcass is, there the vultures will gather. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not shed its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the celestial powers will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky and then all the peoples of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. He will send out His angels with a loud trumpet and they will gather His elect from the four winds from one end of the sky to the other. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. As soon as its branch becomes tender and sprouts leaves, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see all these things, recognize that he is near at the door. I assure you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Now concerning that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son except the Father only. As the days of Noah were, so the coming of the Son of Man will be. For in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, 
until the day Noah boarded the ark. They didn't know until the flood came and swept them all away. So this is the way the coming of the Son of Man will be. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the meal, one will be taken and one left. Therefore be alert, since you don't know what day your Lord is coming. But know this, if the homeowner had known what time the thief was coming, he would have stayed alert and not let his house be broken into. This is why you also must be ready, because the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Who then is a faithful and sensible slave, whom his master has put in charge of his household to give them food at the proper time? That slave whose master finds him working when he comes will be rewarded. I assure you he will put him in charge of all his possessions, but if that wicked slave says in his heart, My master is delayed, and starts to beat his fellow slaves and eats and drinks with drunkards, that slave's master will come on a day he does not expect, and at an hour he does not know. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Matthew chapter 24. Here we have a chapter that many people have used in the past and still use today to predict the end of the present world. And some people are infatuated or obsessed with trying to figure out when the second coming of Christ will take place, down to the very day. For a while I thought it was okay to ignore these people because I just want to be ready. How many want to be ready when Christ comes back? (laughs) I do, I want to be ready with my faith firmly in Christ, for whenever He physically comes a second time, as the Scriptures say that He will. And you know, I still believe that. I still believe that we shouldn't concern ourselves with trying to figure out when He is coming back. I believe the important thing is our faith in the Messiah and to be doing what He has told us to do upon the earth while He is gone on his journey to prepare us a place. However, I have come to see that it is important that we understand prophetic texts like Matthew 24 properly, else we may very well fall prey to false understandings. Our lack of study in the area of prophecy can lead us to blindly accept someone else's view simply because they make it sound thrilling or sensational or make it sound good. Everything that sounds good, everything that sounds true, isn't good and true. When we do not know the truth, we are more apt to fall for the faults. But a key is by studying and knowing the truth you will automatically be less apt to fall for something false. If you know the genuine, as they say, like the back of your hand, then you will know when the counterfeit comes across the desk. Now, I want to say here at the beginning that this is going to be an introductory lesson to the study. I'm not going to get much into the Bible in this lesson. I read Matthew chapter 24 as a base text for what we're going to be looking at in the weeks to come. But I need to cover some preliminary points in this lesson. I need to give you a background to why this subject fascinates me 
to no end and to why this subject is important for you to understand and me to understand properly. I began to look into what I'll be covering in these lessons back in the year 2008. And I saw some things in the Bible then. But I decided to put them on the shelf for a while and come back and pick them up later. How many has ever done that? You study something, you don't quite get it, all the pieces doesn't seem like they come together perfectly. You set it up on the shelf for a while until you have a chance to look at it with fresh eyes years down the road. Well, over the last two years, 2014 and 2015, I felt the need to begin to share some of the things that I've been studying off and on since 2008. I want to share them with you as a congregation. And the so-called mystery of the Shemitah and the whole quote-unquote blood moons teaching really lit a fire under me again in this past year. And it's because I do not like to see the Bible handed or handled haphazardly. I get very upset. Sometimes I feel like screaming, no, 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 that's not what that scripture means. Stop using it like that. (laughs) Sometimes I feel like screaming that. When I see or hear people use scriptures in certain ways, that's not to say that I'm not prone to use scriptures out of context to myself, but ones that I'm sure on, it is very, very upsetting to hear scripture being abused. And so the main reason we study things like this is because the integrity of Yahweh's Word is at stake. We love Yahweh's Word. It's more to be desired than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter than honey in the honeycomb. So we should handle it very gently, very delicately, and uh, very respectfully. Um, I don't like to see Scripture writ from its context, and probably most of all, I hate, I hate seeing men peddle some out-of-context teaching ripped from the Bible and make loads of money for their pockets and lead sheep astray. It literally sometimes has made me sick, physically sick to my stomach to see this and it's because I love people. I love to love people and I don't like seeing people used for their money. And so it is very upsetting when I see false prophets on TV and on the radio, hear them on the radio doing these things. I'm 34 years old And in my short lifetime alone, there have been many, many prophetic predictions just in my lifetime by people who claimed to be certain they were for sure that something was going to happen in regards to quote-unquote last-day events. Yet, they were all wrong. Every one of them. Let me give you some examples. Chuck Smith of Calvary Chapel in Costa Mesa, California, believed that the rapture would occur before the end of 1981. That's the year I was born. In the early 1970s, he wrote, The last days are upon us, and the Spirit of God is being poured out upon us. It's prophesied in the Bible that the Lord will pour the Spirit down upon all men. And I believe that it won't be long until we see the second coming of the Lord. In 1978, Smith wrote more specifically saying, From my understanding of the biblical prophecies, I'm convinced that the Lord is coming for His church before the end of 1981. When American President Ronald Reagan was shot, many end-time speculators suspected that he was the Antichrist because Revelation 13.3 speaks of a beast recovering from a fatal wound. Also, the names Ronald Wilson Reagan 
each has six letters in them corresponding to the number of the beast, 666. Date setters saw many signs of the end in the events which occurred in 1986. Some believed that the Chernobyl nuclear accident in Russia in that year was the fulfillment of the sounding of one of the trumpets in the book of Revelation. Some thought that the move to a nine-digit zip code system in the United States in that year was preparation for the global system of the Antichrist. Some thought that the appearance of Halley's Comet in 1986 was a sign of the end, and still others set the rapture for 1986. In 1988, Ian Paisley, a minister from Northern Ireland, said that Pope John Paul II was the Antichrist. Buffalo Bill Hawkins, sometimes called Yisrael Hawkins, leader of the House of Yahweh sect, set 1991 for the beginning of the Great Tribulation. In his publication, The Prophetic Word of June 7, 1991, he claimed the rain will soon be cut off again, as it was in the days of Elijah. This time it will not rain for 1,260 days, but this soon coming time period will begin the last seven years of Satan's rule upon the earth. This seven-year period is known as the Great Tribulation. And in 1994, Hawkins taught that the world was approaching the middle of the Great Tribulation. Hawkins also claimed to be one of the two witnesses in the book of Revelation. In 1991, some people believed that the AIDS epidemic was a sign of the end of the world. For example, David Jeremiah, you might have heard of him, he still actually teaches on radio and TV. David Jeremiah proclaimed, I believe AIDS could be the pestilence Jesus described in the Olivet Discourse. Break that for a second. The Olivet Discourse is what we just read in Matthew chapter 24. The reason it's called the Olivet Discourse is because when Yeshua gave that prophetic word, he was on the Mount of Olives. And so, in theology, it's sometimes called the Olivet Discourse. Let's continue on with this. And Harold Camping wrote, The AIDS plague has come when many signs seem to indicate that the end of the world is close at hand. One cannot help but wonder if it is related to the final tribulation period. Hal Lindsey, in his book, The 1980s Countdown to Armageddon, asserted that the decade of the 1980s could very well be the last decade of history as we know it. In 1992, Hal Lindsey said that he still believes that this is the generation which will see the fulfillment of all the signs of the end. In 1994, Hal Lindsey wrote Planet Earth, 2000 AD, Will Mankind Survive? In which he wrote, We are rapidly approaching the end. I believe that we are on the very brink of it. We don't know what day, just that it is near. This is the generation. And Jesus tells us that the generation that sees these things will be the fulfillment or see the fulfillment of all the prophecies leading to the second coming. All the signs are there. In fact, looking at the state of the world today, I wouldn't make any long-term earthly plans. Harold Camping in his book entitled 1994, question, calculated that 1994 was the most likely date for the end saying, we see that 1994 looks more and more like a candidate for the year of Christ's return, and repeatedly the year 1994 A.D. appears to be a likely candidate for the year of the end of history. And when is Judgment Day? We have already seen that 1994 probably or is probably the year. Edgar Wisnott wrote a book entitled 88 Reasons Why the Rapture is in 1988. Edgar Wisnott, famous for his 1988 rapture prediction, 
changed the date to 1993 when it didn't happen in 88. Edgar Wisnott later predicted that Christ would come at 12.01 a.m. on September 25th, 1995. We know that didn't happen. All of these references that I just read are taken from a book that I have on the screen titled The Day and the Hour. I have this in my library. The Day and the Hour, Christianity's Perennial Fascination with Predicting the End of the World by Francis X. Gummerlock. This man, Mr. Gummerlock, has chronicled all the failed predictions he could find since the early centuries A.D., just after the ascension to heaven of Christ, up to the year 2000, when he published this book. And it's a fascinating read. It's important that we not forget all of the failed predictions, yet people do forget them. They forget them, and then because they forget them, they grab hold to the next guy that comes along in our day and starts making bold predictions all over again. Now, all of the ones I quoted from in this book were before I was old enough to study the Bible for myself as an adolescent, as a young man, as a teenager. But as an adult, since I've grown, gotten married, and have children of my own, as an adult, I have seen a few failed predictions take place that have been just as bold, if not even bolder than these that I've mentioned. My mind travels back to what I think was the most captivating one so far in my lifetime, to the early on portions of the year 2011, when a man by the name of Harold Camping, his picture is there on the screen, Harold Camping became famous in the news for a little while in 2011. When he predicted the end of the world would take place on May 21, 2011. And yes, this is the same Harold Camping I just read about a few minutes ago that predicted that 1994 would be the end of the world. One of the sections of the Bible that he would quote and that his followers would quote was Matthew chapter 24. I remember driving around in the work truck with Brother Randy to various cities in the metro Atlanta area, and I would see these billboards that you're looking at on the screen. May 21, 2011. The Bible guarantees it. Judgment Day. WeCanKnow.com. And it still amazes me when I think about it. You know, it was a Sunday. It was a Sunday morning, and I was actually driving to a church in South Carolina with Frank and Denise and the other members of August Rain at that time to lead a song service that morning at a church, the morning of May 21, 2011. And I remember when I got to the church, the teaching pastor of the church, Matt McGeerty is his name, he looked at me that morning and he said something like this. He smiled and he looked at me and said, Well, Brother Matthew, we're still here. <laughs> now, there's no way that I can do justice to describing how climactic that this was at the time. We're five years almost removed from this now. But it was very climactic at that time. You had to follow it personally to have known. There was a documentary film director named Zeke Pystrup who was hired by Family Radio. Family Radio was Harold Camping's radio ministry. Multi-million dollar radio ministry. Zeke Pystrup was hired 
as a documentary film director by Family Radio to record, to video chronicle, the last two weeks leading up to May 21st, Judgment Day, for Harold Camping. Now, I followed most of the daily video posts on YouTube. Zeke would work 19-hour days. Him, him and his girlfriend worked 19-hour days, and they would video Harold and all that was going on there at Family Radio and Harold's followers, and they would video it during the day, and then most of the night they would edit and have a video up on YouTube. And I was so fascinated by this. Some nights I would stay up late, or usually I wake up early anyhow, and that was the first thing that I would do was look for the new countdown, Harold Camping countdown video that this guy who I didn't know by the name of Zeke Pystrup at the time. He didn't reveal his identity till the end. He's not a believer, by the way. But um, I was very fascinated by watching these videos, and the guy had really good uh, documentary skills. You could tell he, he went to school for it and everything. So the videos were well done, and it just amazed me that these people actually believed that May 21st was going to be the last day on earth as we as we know it. And there were also other people who did video work themselves, and they interviewed Harold Camping and his followers. Now, because of the day and the age that we live in now, and the age of technology, we can watch recorded video footage on YouTube, and we can kind of relive the past about what happened in 2011. I downloaded several YouTube videos back then, downloaded them to my hard drive, because I thought they might later be removed. Um, I wanted to have them to be able to show others that something like this could really happen. Uh, it's been happening for about 2,000 years, actually. Failed predictions, that is. But they're easily forgotten when they're not caught on tape. However, when you can actually show someone the sensationalism on tape, it is fascinating. It is mind-blowing that people, just like you and I, really believe they really believed this was going to happen. So I've taken some of the most climactic clips from the videos that I downloaded back then, and I put the clips together to show you what happened and what was said. Now, the video, to me, the video is very emotional. Some parts of it make me laugh and smile, thinking, how could you be that crazy? Some parts make me shake my head in disbelief. And I admit, there are some parts that, have brought tears to my eyes when I've watched them because it hurts my heart to see people who have been deceived. It weighs heavy upon my heart when I ponder upon deception in general because I don't want to be deceived. But the big part about deception is that no one realizes when they're deceived. If you were deceived on something very important right now, you wouldn't know it. Because that's what deception is. You think you're right, but you're wrong. And so deception weighs heavy on my heart. None of us are immune to that. And I think you'll see that in the video. So let's watch some of what happened back in the early days of, uh, of 2011. Chris, let me ask you on camera here something. Just... In 113 days, the world is going to end. Yes, guaranteed, 100%. The Bible guarantees it. The 100%. Bible, the Bible is the authority, 100%, not me. The Bible is the authority. The whole world has to know that Judgment Day is near. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. 
we have to talk about this. This is not an option. We have to say it again and again and again. May 21, 2011 is the Day of Judgment. Please go to FamilyRadio.com and click on How Do I Begin? The moment that earthquake hits, that great earthquake hits, instantly the whole world is going to know Judgment Day has come. I spent over 40 years studying the Bible, figuring out when Judgment Day is. So when people ask me what's going to happen if they wake up on May 22nd, uh, all I have to say is they won't. At first glance, it looks like another convention at a suburban hotel. But this crowd of more than 300 is hoping they are no longer on this earth come May 21st. It's bewildering, I know. It's unfathomable, but it is. This group is convinced that is the beginning of the end of the world. There'll be a worldwide earthquake such as man has never seen. Destruction and death everywhere. Why May 21st? Believers say that's the rapture, exactly 7,000 years since the flood in the biblical story of Noah's Ark. We're at a point now where we are so certain that this will happen that we are ready to, you know, you know, travel 18 hours, leave our jobs, whatever. We know. High school health education teacher Sandy Klein is crying because she says the end of the world means her daughters won't be able to have children of their own. And it's like you have no control over anything. It's all in the Lord's hands. My name is Guy Von Haringa. And uh, I'm a webmaster here at the Internet Department of Family Radio. Hi, you've reached Guy Von Haringa. Please leave your name and a brief message. And remember to seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Because on May 21st, Holy God will bring judgment. And at that point, it will be too late. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Record your message the tone. Descended your marriage. There's only a few days left, and it's a card. We live in a world now where it's, there's so many mediums of advertisement. There's so many ways to reach people, and a card is another way because um, God set it up, so now we have traffic. And I never thought I'd be saying it, but you know, something like L.A. traffic or, or Bay Area traffic is a good thing now because we can now reach people when we're in traffic and, and uh, warn them that way. You know, God, God worked it out so that you know, I would have a reliable car and... I don't own it all the way, but I mean, I'm paid up till May 21st, and uh, I, I don't think this car will have any value after that. You know, there's, the roads aren't going to be drivable, and this car certainly won't be drivable after an earthquake. I, I'm sure it'll be stuck in a ditch somewhere. So. We've never, never, never experienced anything like this. Three days, and the day of judgment begins. Oh, my. People should be praying, 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 because it's still the day of salvation. Isn't that tremendous that even at this late stage, God is still saving people? The focus is way too heavy on me, way too heavy, and I'm going to stop it. And it's, uh, it's, I, I, and, and I, besides, I'm getting really weary with it all of it. It's really been a, Grind. Good evening, Mr. Howard Campion. How are you? Very well, thank you. Good. Um, I, I'm really looking forward to next Saturday. I really believe in Judgment Day, um, May 21, 2011. 
and I pray, God, that I'll be saved, too. There's just no reason in the world, no possibility that it will not happen. This isn't the first time Camping said the end of the world was imminent. The first time was in 1994, but at that time he insists he always put a question mark at the end of the prediction. I'm not embarrassed about it. It's just the fact that it was, it was uh, premature. This time, he says he's sure. We met these people in Washington, D.C. They were outside of the White House. Today at the rapture and also today is the first day of the Day of Judgment. Billboards are going all over the world right now. Like U2, you can probably find it in U2. This is the first time? Wasn't there going to be one in the year 2000? Wasn't there going to be like a... So that was the Y2K bug. They really do believe it. Judgment Day has happened on May 21st. I mean, really, I was just impressed with their organizational techniques and their ability to just get the word out, man. We approached them to see if we could work something out and put a show together. This is how neighbors and friends know Lynn Benedetto, a loving, caring, stay-at-home mom. But this is how sheriff's deputies know her. She's now behind bars for trying to kill her 11- and 14-year-old daughters, then herself. Very, very nice people. This is very uh, out of left field for us. Abel Fernandez lives across the street from the Benedetto family. Friday night around 5.30, he saw a swarm of deputies surround his neighborhood in the 41,000 block of River Rock Lane. Officers, gun drawn, about eight police cars and a helicopter. They seemed to be going through the house and they were, they were here most of the evening. There was a note and there was a lot of blood in the house. Detectives say the 47-year-old mom thought the world was coming to an end. And with recent events in Japan and the turmoil in the Middle East, Benedetto didn't want her daughters to go through it. So she took a box cutter and paring knife, slit her daughter's throats and wrists, then did the same thing to herself. You can see her wounds in her mugshot. Okay, my name is Robert Fitzpatrick, and I am 60 years old. And I live on Staten Island in New York City. I, I used to be uh, an engineer for New York City Transit, and I retired in 2006. I had plans after I retired, but uh, I put them all aside. I, I feel as if I've been drafted. On May 21st, God will stop saving people. There'll be a great earthquake. There'll be a resurrection. The elect who are alive will be transformed into their spiritual bodies. They'll all be brought up into the air to meet the Lord. And people who are not saved will remain behind and they'll experience Judgment Day. Life will no longer be able to continue the, the way it is now. You won't have any electricity, there'll be no water, there'll be starvation fires, there'll be tsunamis, there'll be floods. It will be terrible. Last year I really sort of let the garden go. Prior to that I had been taking care of it. When my mother was still here, I was, the two of us, well for a while until she got sick, uh, we were both working there and it was beautiful. I have a great many flowering plants out there. Uh, you should see it. I, I do have some photos someplace. But, uh, yeah, it used to be great. It's a little posted sized garden, but it takes a lot of work actually to keep it looking nice, to keep the weeds down and the plants properly trimmed and healthy. So as you can see now, it's uh, kind of overgrown. 
By the way, the, the elderly guy that you saw there in his 80s throughout that video montage was Harold Camping. We'll get back to him in a second. But one of the last guys you saw in this collection of videos was a man by the name of Robert Fitzpatrick. He was the guy that talked about letting his garden go that year. He was there in his house. They were filming him. He said he let his garden go even though he, he enjoyed gardening when his mother was alive. But he let it go because he didn't think it was going to be there after May 21st that year. This man on the screen right here, he spent over $100,000 of his life savings on subway ads warning people that the world would end on May 21st, 2011. He's standing right beside one of his ads on this screen. He authored a book that was based on Harold Camping's teaching. Harold Camping's the spearhead of all of this. He's one of his followers. But he authored a book titled The Doomsday Code, God is warning us through the Bible. This man really believed that it was going to happen. And you saw him on the screen. And you don't spend a hundred grand of your own money if you don't really believe in what you're saying. Harold Camping eventually did apologize. A lot of people don't realize this, but he did. You can watch the documentary that Zeke Pystrup filmed in its totality. I watched it on Hulu. You can see it on Hulu. It's titled, Apocalypse Later, Harold Camping versus the End of the World. I'd highly recommend watching it. Very interesting documentary. At the end of the documentary, Zeke is in Mr. Camping's home in the month of May 2012, I believe it was. And Harold said while he was being interviewed, that he was wrong for trying to predict a date for Christ's return. And now he sees that the verse in Matthew 24, 36 really does teach that no one can know the day or the hour of the return of Christ. 
Now, today, just today, I fast-forwarded it to the end here where that, that part of the documentary was taking place because I wanted you to see this clip where Harold admits that he was wrong. Uh, in this clip in 2012, he's already gotten older. He's stopped doing family radio because it's just too much wear and tear on his body. And you'll see he, he even looks considerably uh, more weak here. But I want you to watch this clip. So read this rather in the Bible, because we were saying the Bible would give the date, and we were convinced, convinced um, and the others, that we knew the date, but that didn't happen. No organization, no matter how much they study the Bible or how careful they are, is going to tell you what the date is. That is something that is only known by God. We do not, we will not know the date. No human being will know the date before it happens. So have you changed then your view of Matthew 24, 36? Which? That says, no man can know the day or the hour, not the angels in heaven, uh, but my Father only. Oh, yeah, we've changed. We now understand it correctly. It's, it, that verse that tells it right, right as plain as possible. Harold Camping died on December the 15th, 2013. Even more recently, we had the mystery of the Shemitah thing from Jonathan Kahn and the blood moon thing from John Hagee. And both of these men were careful not to set any dates, particularly of the second coming, but they were still peddling their presentations as end times truth. They're end times prophets. They're last day prophets. Listen to them. Something big is going to happen. I dealt with both of their teachings in earlier sermons if you didn't hear those. And here we are in January 2016, and all of that Shemitah mystery stuff and all of that blood moon stuff is quiet now, isn't it? It's quiet now. Man, it was pumped up last fall. I mean, everybody, I mean, you, you had some ministries even saying it was going to be the end, end of the world. But you watch, the further away that we get from that, somebody else is going to come up with some kind of snippet from the Bible, and there's going to be people that's going to latch onto it. As a matter of fact, I saw and listened to a man by the name of John Shorey, who claims to be a prophet, a man of God. He was on the Jim Baker Show, published on YouTube, November the 10th, 2015. And he said that he now thinks that the Great Tribulation will begin in March of 2016. And he said that his thinking was confirmed by someone that he calls the prophet Mina. He quoted that passage in Amos. The Lord doesn't do anything except He shows us through His prophets. And the prophet Mina has confirmed what I'm telling you. I have no clue who prophet Mina is. If it's a man or a woman, I don't know. But he says it was confirmed by the prophet Mina and they were showed a calendar by an angel with a black horse running over the four calendar months of September, October, November, and December in 2015. And John Shorey also said he received a word from the Lord. These guys... It's like they have daily talks with the Creator. He received a word from the Lord in which a voice spoke to him saying, 
Quote, my timetable has not changed. Now, I'm not making this up. I don't think I could make it up even if I tried to. But that didn't take long, did it? The Shemitah thing, the blood moon thing, and here in November 10th on the Jim Baker show, and they actually were big promoters of the Shemitah mystery and the blood moon teaching. They were all promoters of that. Um, And I think that part of it, you see this bucket right there, Jim Baker's the guy with the hat on, that's a bucket of food. This is buckets of food that they sell people to buy. Because after all, once the tribulation hits, you're not going to be able to eat. You've got to buy our, our food. It's the best to buy it. And they've got to get those food buckets out of there. So what I think is that people don't take much time to study these matters. I honestly don't. I don't think people take much time to study these matters out diligently from the biblical text. They do not take the time to sit down and do the hard work of exegesis and scripture examining verses in their original culture, context, and language, and then allowing the Bible to interpret the Bible. That's something you're going to keep hearing me say all through Matthew 24, is the Bible is its own best interpreter. We're going to let the Bible interpret the Bible. Instead, what these people do is they take snippets from this verse and snippets from that verse, and they start adding and subtracting and multiplying and dividing, and they come up with all sorts of ideas. A lot of people watch the news and believe it helps to interpret the Bible. Or they see that an earthquake hits somewhere upon the earth. And then they read a verse in Matthew 24, and they say, I remember something about earthquakes in Matthew 24. It talks about earthquakes, so voila, we must be living in the last days because of the earthquake. And the same goes with wars and famines. But what people don't realize is that folks have been doing this for years and years and years. The exact same methodology There has been wars and earthquakes going on in every generation since Yeshua left the earth. There's been lunar eclipses throughout the centuries, even lunar eclipse tetraads like we had over the past two years. That's happened many times before. There's been comets, tsunamis, wars, famines, and despotic rulers throughout the centuries, and in every single generation someone has thought that they were the ones who would see the second coming of Christ. We're not going to die out. He's coming back before we die. I heard it growing up in church. So what do we do as we close here today? Do we throw up our hands in the air and give up studying the Bible? Well, not at all. I would suggest that we turn off the TV or stop doing other activities and we begin to study the Bible. Not that we stop studying, we begin to do it, what we haven't done. And I suggest that we should not blame the manual for something that people do with the manual. There's a right way and a wrong way to do Bible study, just like there's a right way and a wrong way to work a computer. And if you give ten people the same computer and the same manual, and all ten of them end up not knowing how to work the computer, you don't automatically blame the manual. The odds are that the manual or the instructions will help solve the problems. It's the people's fault. They either didn't read the manual, the instructions, or read them haphazardly and thought they could just figure it out on their own. Don't blame the Bible for people's mistakes. We can know the truth. We can understand prophecy. It's actually not as difficult as people make it out to be. But we must be willing to slow down. 
And we must be willing to do the sometimes difficult and tedious work of actually studying the Bible. I'm talking about really studying the Bible properly. Knowing the author, knowing who wrote what, knowing the original audience, knowing the culture of that time in which it was originally written. Knowing the words and the phrases and the different uh, figures of speech that the Bible uses in those times and how they were understood and allowing the Bible to interpret the Bible. Now, I spent nine weeks teaching through Matthew chapter 23, not just because I love the Bible. I do. I do love Scripture, and I love to study. But because I love people, and I I believe Yahweh has given me a gift to teach the Bible. I do. That's just not me saying it. I've had other people say it, and that's nothing here nor there about me, but I want to use that gift that I feel that Yahweh has has given me. So I spent the time in Matthew chapter 23 because I love Yahweh's Word and I have a desire to understand it properly, contextually, exegetically, and I want to help, if I can, I want to help other people understand Yahweh's Word. And I did so in Matthew 23 because it helps us. If we understand Matthew 23 correctly, it helps us understand Matthew chapter 24. The odds are great that if you do not grasp Matthew 23 first, that you will not properly interpret Matthew 24. This is something I'm going to talk about in the New Moon service. Matthew 23 and 24 are two chapters in our English Bible. And so we might think that they're divorced from one another or don't have much to do with one another, but you should just... We'll get more into this, but wipe the chapter division out in your mind. The thought process continues from 23 into 24. And I promise you, if you've listened, if you've taken time to study Matthew 23 along in these services and maybe read in your Bible study time, Bible reading time, I promise you that you will better grasp the 24th chapter of Matthew if you've got 23 down. So we'll do that. On Monday, on the New Moon service, we'll be back here at 5 o'clock again. Let's stand and have a word of prayer as we close. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for another opportunity to talk about your word, to read your word, and to hopefully explain it and get some things ironed out, uh, preliminary things ironed out in this lesson. I pray that these points that we went over today would spark interest and thought in the minds of the people and that if they have not studied these matters that they would say, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to study the Bible. I'm not going to take what a man says. I'm not going to take what the media tells me or what so-called prophets say. I'm going to study the Bible and I'm going to do my best to understand it properly. And Father, I believe when you see a heart in us that desires to do that. I believe you bless that and you honor that and you give us those nuggets of truth and those, those golden nuggets that we, that we love from your word. Father, I pray that we would be kind and gentle to all that we meet. My heart goes out when I watch the video again in the service. Um, it's so easy to make sure that we point fingers and and think that other people are crazy and then we we don't sweep around our own door. Um, 
Father, help us not to be that way. Help us to remember that the measure that we judge others by will be the exact same measure that you judge us by. And Father Yahweh, that is a, that's a scary, fearful thing. Um, but if we hand out mercy and grace, we will receive it. And I know that I need it. And so, Father, I pray that when we see these these people that have been led astray, um, that we would not think that we're not prone to be led astray in the same way, but that we would be diligent and occupy and do what you would have us to do in our Bible study um, so that we might not be led astray. Bring us back here for the new moon service, Father, and we're going to get into the study of the Word in Matthew chapter 24. I pray that you'd uh, bless that in our time together. We thank you, Father Yahweh. You're the Creator, and there is none like you in heaven above or on the earth below. And we praise you for sending us your only begotten Son, Yeshua of Nazareth. And it's through him that we pray to you, Holy Father. Amen.